The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And today's buzz is M2M. Mm, M2M, machines connected and talking to each other. Futuristic? Not. It's already happening today, right now. And I've heard that by 2018, nearly everyone, everything, everywhere will be connected real time. Kind of frightening, kind of exciting. This will change how we innovate, how we collaborate, how we produce, how we govern, and how we achieve sustainability. All really great things we have to talk about. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on and think about coffee plants, talking to the farmers, saying, irrigate me, harvest me, pack me, put a tag on me, ship me, get me to market. Mmm, can you see it? Talking communicative coffee plans. Talk about relationships. I love this. Let's hear what the experts have to say about all of this. On our panel today is Miguel Blockstrand of Ericsson, and he says... Unleashing the power of connectivity to all people, places, and things is inevitable. We're going to hear a lot more from Miguel as the show unfolds. Also joining us is Steve Hilton from Analysis Mason. Long quote, but it's worth listening, so everybody put your seatbelts on. Steve says, M2M is a jumble of technology thrown together like potatoes dumped in a bowl, but... Something very tasty is created by mashing those potatoes together with butter, milk, and salt. Steve, how do you know my favorite recipe? Or as Aristotle said almost 2,400 years ago, and we quote, In the case of all things which have several parts, and in which the whole is something besides the parts, there is a cause. That's from Aristotle's Metaphysics, Book 8, Part 6. I feel so smart. Thanks for the quote, Steve. And joining us, rounding out the panel, is Benjamin Wesson from SAP. Wonderful quote from 2000. I want a space odyssey. Benjamin says, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do it. Film way back to 1968. Some of us do remember that. So join us for M2M. Mmm, connectivity never tasted so good. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're coming to you live today. It is March 6, 2013. Where is the year going? And this is Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. Before I introduce my guests, I have a little side note here for my Game Changers listeners. You know you have to do it, but is the mere thought of harnessing your business's big data creating pain, we have a solution. Click the banners on our show page here at Voice America, the business channel, Coffee Break with Game Changers, and there's a free ebook for you that'll tell you how to start, start eliminating the pain and get going with your big data. You'll see a lot of other free goodies on us as well. Okay, let's get to the panel. Miguel Blockstrand is the Director of Product Line Device Connections at Ericsson. He's responsible for machine-to-machine, M2M 
portfolio at Business Units Network. And previously, Miguel was responsible for strategies for mobile TV and IPTV. Welcome, Miguel. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm very, I'm fine, thank you. Happy to be here. Wonderful. And tell us briefly, where are you calling from? Long ways away. Where are you? I'm from the seaside in Sweden, outside of Stockholm. Wonderful. I think you're our first caller from Sweden. We're thrilled to have you. And Steve Hilton is joining us today. Steve is the lead analyst for Analysis Mason's Enterprise and SME Strategies Research Programs. Before this position, he held senior positions at Lucent Technologies, TDS, and Cambridge Strategic Management Group. He's a frequent industry speaker, and he has published many articles in trade journals. Welcome, Steve Hilton. How are you today? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And where are you calling from? I'm uh, calling from the uh, lovely country of Costa Rica up in the mountains. Wonderful. Can't wait to hear your story about coffee when we get to our second segment today. Thanks for joining us, Steve. And rounding out our panel, as I said, is Benjamin Wess. And Benjamin is the VP of Product Management for the SAP NetWeaver Cloud in the Core Technology and Innovation Platform team here at SAP. Early in his career, Benjamin held product management and engineering roles at PeopleSoft, Oracle, Siebel, and other companies. Benjamin Wesson, how are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate everybody's time. I'm so excited about the idea of Coffee Plants Talking. So let's get on with the show. Miguel Blockstrand from Ericsson Talking, calling from Sweden. I want to go into your quote first. Unleashing the power of connectivity to all people, places, and things is inevitable. Talk to me, Miguel. Where is all this wonderful knowledge coming from? What do you see? Hi, Moni. Thank you. What just first and foremost, the networks of today are already ready and that's very, very important and significant because we actually have the situation right now where you have both the capabilities and the needs of society are starting to coincide. You have networks that are ready to be able to connect all of the things, and then you have the society who is starting to wake up to understand how important it is to actually connect your coffee beans out there. And the coffee beans isn't that bad because what society really needs now is we're starting to understand that there is convenience for connecting things, the real benefit in connecting things. So it's just a matter of time before things start being connected across to each other. So, so it's not really a matter of choice anymore. Things are going to be connected. They're going to be connected at a breath. And it's happening now as we speak. Uh, Miguel, I want to ask you a question. I mentioned in the beginning I talked about the coffee plants talking to the farmer. It sounds magical. It sounds very smart to me, and it sounds like I use the word relationship. Are we creating new relationships between inanimate objects that we expect to live and breathe as we expect human relationships? In other words, tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what I need to do next. And we're going to be counting on these communications as businesses move forward with M2M. Is it, in other words, is this going to be something businesses become very dependent upon and don't you dare fail me, that kind of a relationship. Miguel? I, I definitely believe so. And we actually went and had a connected tree for a while, and it actually is a little bit interesting tree. But if you start thinking about a tree, what you connect, it actually has sensors and that you can actually start feeling if there's movement in a room or if it's missing water or anything like that. You actually start understanding that there's benefits in connecting, for instance, a tree. You can actually use it to monitor your parents, find out if it's actually, if they're healthy, if they're moving around. It's a non-intrusive way of finding out that actually something is happening in your house which should be happening. 
Or you can actually use it in another context. You can use it in a conference room just to see if the conference room is actually being used. Are people moving about? Should people be moving about? So just the thought of using one technology in a new context is becoming very, very new and exciting. And that's actually what we see happening today. That's when the business after comes into the picture. Very exciting. We have a lot to talk about. Thank you, Miguel. I appreciate that. Let's move on to Steve Hilton. Steve, this is probably one of the longest quotes I've had on the show. Talk to me about the mashed potatoes. How did you know I love them mixed with buttermilk and salt? You're a man after my own heart. And talk to me about how did you bring Aristotle into this? What does Aristotle have to do with M to M? Steve Hilton. You know, for me, Bonnie, um, the quotes are pretty similar, right? What it says is that they're there are a bunch of different things that you can add together. And individually, those things are interesting and maybe they're a little bit tasty on their own. But when you mix it together, you get something that's greater than just the individual ingredients that you mix together. Sort of like making a cake even, right? That's what Aristotle is saying, right? Sort of the concept that one plus one is equal to three, right? And that's what machine to machine is really all about. It's a, it's a really long supply chain. It's a lot of different technology and communication pieces that individually are kind of interesting. But when you put it all together, you end up with a really powerful solution, whether it's a connected uh, coffee bean or a fleet monitoring or even different kinds of entertainment inside our, our automobiles. Mm-hmm. Steve, tell me something. I, I, I'm dying to know. How do we wire these coffee plants so that they can talk? What's happening? Just like the mashed potatoes, we're, we're manually putting those together. But how do we – what technology is actually out in the coffee fields? And we'll talk more about this in the second segment. But just clue us in a little bit. What is actually happening to make this an M2M experience? When I think of M2M, I think of cars or I think of phones or I think of, as, as Miguel said, uh, conference rooms. But how do we get it out in the fields? That's a long way away from a power plug last I checked. You know, it, it's a really interesting question, Bonnie. There are all kinds of technology um, that work in different environments. So if you're close to our plug, you can often get power right into the little module that's, um, you know, attached to the side of a truck, right, or mm-hmm. attached to the side of a house on our smart meter. If you're in the middle of a field or you're a, um, like a collar around a, a farm animal, you have to rely on battery power. And there are mm-hmm. solutions to do that today to provide that uh, the connectivity just using battery. Okay, I can see the ever-ready bunny out in the coffee field saying, <laughs> "I don't know how much more long, how longer I can last." Very, very interesting question for you, Steve. Are you an Aristotle fan? Uh, that's a, a long ago, far away quote to pull up. I admire you going through metaphysics. I looked it up on the web, and I had to wade through pages and pages to find that quote. I did find it though. Are you an Aristotle fan? Uh, yeah, you know, I, you know, dabbled in a little Aristotle about a thousand years ago and, uh, you know, pulled it out for the show. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now let's turn to Benjamin Wesson, who has a very short quote, but certainly pithy. Benjamin, you're quoting a space odyssey from 1968, way back in the Dark Ages, and you say, I'm sorry, Dave, I'm afraid I can't do that. Benjamin, please explain to me. Well, this is the fear that everybody has about machine to machine. And it's obviously not a new fear. This is something we've been talking about forever. And, and it's that these machines will talk to each other, somehow become self-actualized and enslave us all in the future, that they'll not cooperate with us. But it's not what we mean when we talk about machine to machine. So going back to mm-hmm. your coffee example, we can yes. put sensors in a field 
These sensors will consume battery power, as Steve was talking about, but these sensors mm-hmm. can run for years, sometimes you know, 10 years on the existing power because they're drawing a very small amount of current. And these sensors can tell a farmer what areas of the farm need more chemicals, need more water. It makes it easier and, and more green, frankly, in places like Costa Rica to cultivate these crops. Go ahead. Tell me more, Benjamin. I, I want to know a little bit more. So other than coffee, which I think is a fantastic example, one of you sent me, and I know we're harping on that, where else can we see this minimal drawing battery power out in places we didn't expect M2M would be already? It's 2013. Give me one more example before we go to break. Sure. These sensors are all over the place in new technology like wind energy. So if you think about a wind turbine out there, it is hooked up to the Internet. It is reacting to algorithms that people create. And out there in the North Sea, these turbines are behaving more efficiently because of the machine-to-machine communication that's going on there. So that's what, that's what we're talking about. But just if I could take a quick step back, yes. it's really about not machine-to-machine, but machine-to-man or person. And what uh-huh. I look at when I think about machine-to-machine is an MRI machine in a hospital relaying data to a radiologist or a physician that needs to analyze that. And in the past, having to look at all that raw data was was really a tremendous burden. But through algorithms that can detect anomalies, we can make their job a heck of a lot easier, make the patient's health a heck of a lot better, and we can do all this through this sensor technology through machine-to-machine. Very interesting. And uh, somebody sent me a YouTube video of, I think it was an interview on NBC or MSNBC a couple weeks ago, uh, Benjamin, and, and talking to the whole panel about a Dr. Eric Topol, who is working on apps for the iPhone platform where he can have a patient basically take their own EKG and send him the results phone to phone and do diagnostics long distance, just going to absolutely revolutionize. There's mobility in there. There's big data in there. There is what we're calling M2M in there. There's an awful lot of great technology helping us become more human. Isn't that an interesting perspective? With that, I'm going to go to break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Just finished our first very exciting segment. Our topic today, the buzz is M2M, machine to machine. Maybe it's machine to mankind. Mmm, connectivity never tasted so good. Don't even think of touching that app, that dial, that mouse, whatever you're using to listen to us. We're live. It's March 6, 2013. We'll be right back and find out what my guests are drinking today. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP. SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are, and it's time for the Coffee Break part of Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm going to ask my guests, Miguel, Stephen, Benjamin, what they're drinking today. Tell me a great story. Miguel Blockstrand calling from Sweden. First of all, what time of the day is it there in Sweden, Miguel? Hi, it's 5 p.m. It's 5 in the afternoon here in Sweden, Bonnie. So what are you drinking? Time. What's in your cup? What am I drinking? I'm actually drinking what uh, a cup of coffee, but my American friends would probably call it some kind of a Viking brew because it's actually strong enough to wake up the old Viking gods out there, at least if you compare <laughs> it to the coffee we serve, we serve in Sweden and in, and, and in America. Oh, that sounds good. I'm sure it's full of caffeine. Do you put anything in it, Miguel? Does it? Does you need any sweetening, or what do you do with it? Typically important for us. Do you pick it up at the in the automatic machine here, or do you go around and pick it, going into your local coffee shop? So I have, I actually have it always black. So, uh, so uh, it's just a matter of if I spice it up with chop, uh, or if I just take the machines, which, are, by the way, are connected, going into the machine to machine arena. So. Okay, good. Well, enjoy that. I, I can tell it's powering you all the way from Sweden. Steve Hilton, what are you drinking today in Costa Rica? What's in your cup? Well, you know, Bonnie, it's kind of funny. Costa Rica is one of the world's largest coffee producers. Mm-hmm. Um, millions and millions of metric tons of coffee a year come from Costa Rica. However, I'm not drinking coffee today. I'm drinking, uh, I guess they would, down here they might say, uh, una taza de te uh, de manzanilla. <laughs> So a, okay. uh, a, a cup of a cup of chamomile tea. Very, very nice. And what's Juan Valdez doing these days? <laughs> Juan Valdez, ask. if we don't get into any trouble, probably is hanging out in Colombia uh, making coffee that's competing with Costa Rican coffee. So okay, uh, I'm sure he's busy. He's busy <laughs> well, at it. We'll leave him to his metaphorical devices. Thank you, Steve and Benjamin Wesson. Where are you calling from? Did I even ask you? I'm sorry, Benjamin. Where are you? Where are you right now? Brad, okay. do we, we have? Could be anywhere. Oh, here we are. And I'm calling oh. from Palo Alto, okay. California, in our labs. Wonderful. And what are you drinking today, Benjamin? I'm drinking a soda that I made myself from a new style of vending machine that allows me to mix it the way that I want to mix it. And just like coffee plants, these vending machines are hooked up to the internet. And it's the next wave of point of sale system. I can mix the soda that I want, and it can remember what I want for the next time when I go back. So I can personalize the beverage just for me. I love that. And, you know, I have a couple of coffee tweets here from some of our followers. Our staunch followers include the lovely Margot Heiligman, who I believe is at SAP Insider in Las Vegas, alongside our co-producer Malcolm Kimberlin. And Margot tweets, she's drinking a pretty straight-ahead decaf, I like that, Margot, from the Roasted Bean, joining us live from SAP Insider in Vegas. And Malcolm is once again, I quote, stuck in a hotel room, drinking subpar coffee. He's missing his beloved Equator coffee, and he left it 
it at home. Malcolm, Malcolm, will you ever learn? Okay, we're going to move right into the first part of our roundtable segment right now. I'm going to start off with something that Miguel Bloxran told me before the show. He said, we have a clear responsibility and capability to enable industries, people, and society to benefit. Now, here we're getting into a social aspect of M2M, to benefit from the potential that this embedded connectivity will bring to how we do business, how we collaborate between people and things, and the way we create, here's the key word, kids, a sustainable future. Miguel, talk to me about responsibility. What does this have to do with M2M, please? Well, it's actually one of the biggest drivers for M2M as we see it today. And uh, if you think about, for instance, in Europe, we have regulations for security and safety in the car and automotive industry. And, and that's actually something coming out of a society need. Uh, and that is the need to be able to have safe driving and safe motorways. So, so that will actually bring in connectivity into the automobiles as such. The trick there is if you already bring in connectivity into the cars for a safety perspective, then you can actually start using it into new perspectives. Why not use that connectivity to find the charging pole, which is so heavily needed when needed when you need to charge your new electric vehicle? Or why not use your newly gathered connectivity, which came out of a fundamental need for security, and use it in a new context, use it for entertainment in your backseat of the car? Mm-hmm. And what I think is actually coming new right now is, is that uh, we're starting to understand the value of connectivity. And, and that's actually going back to what you said, Bonnie, that uh, most people nowadays have a smartphone. So they're actually getting used to understanding what you can actually do by connecting your things. Yes. You can get a personal relationship. What if I can connect to my car? What if I can check what's going on in my home? What if I can check if my washing machine is already done so that I know what needs to be done the next? So it's, we're coming into some kind of a what-if society right now. And it all comes in from the fact that we, we have the technology out there in place and, we're starting and we have the needs. And in particularly a uh, society need. It's not an invented need. We need to do something in our areas of sustainability and protecting our future. Great. Good. All good points. And, and you brought cars into the conversation, which is a perfect seg- segue for me to turn to Steve Hilton. Steve, your thought on this is that the automotive sector is probably the hottest sector today in terms of the car becoming the next connected platform. M2M is just screaming at me in this, this imaginary banner I see on top of a car dealership. We're selling M2M cars. Talk to me, Steve. I, I know you're, uh, you're a big proponent of this. What do you think is really going to happen with the car? Do you agree with everything that Miguel said? Talk to me. Yeah, Bonnie, I do agree with what Miguel is saying. I mean, there are definitely societal benefits to these kinds of solutions. There's also, you know, a variety of benefits that are more sort of related to the business implementing them themselves, right? So cost savings or different kinds of innovation. So if you think about the automotive industry and sort of cars and trucks, M2M has been around for at least 15 or 20 years, right? Fleets of vehicles in most of the developed world are already connected, right? So, you, you know, if you're the, you know, the owner of these fleets of vehicles, you can track where those vehicles are and you can route them more efficiently. It allows you to use less gasoline, right? So there's societal benefits, but there's also benefits to your business. Right now, we're moving into this world where one of the sort of unexplored ecosystems is our personal cars. Right. So the little Toyota that I drive, Bonnie, or the, you know, the seven series BMW that you drive will be connected in the future. Right. And there'll be a whole series of applications you can get in that 
automobile, right? There'll be things like Miguel was saying, sort of security solutions. There'll be emergency 911 calling. There'll be infotainment. You know, your kids in the back seat will be able to uh, play, uh, you know, video games in the back seat or download a movie, right? There'll be engine diagnostics, right? So there's just a lot of excitement going on right now in the automotive world. Very, very interesting. I'm, I'm wondering when the general public will start to see this as something past. This is for me and my family. We're regular people. Boy, wouldn't this be fun versus I'm not a data geek. I'm not carrying around my device connected at the hip 24-7, 365. I want to have a normal life. I don't know. This is something I'll go see in a movie and it'll be cool. But in my life, do you think there's a, a cultural barrier to this? Briefly, Steve, because I want to bring Benjamin into this. But what do you think? Cultural barriers or do you think the general public can get this. Do we understand it enough to really want it, Steve? Yeah, I, I think it's already happening, right? I, I, as as, as uh, the other presenters were saying, um, Miguel and Benjamin, you know, there's there's connectivity all around us these days, right? People use smartphones all the time. You see two people go out on a date and they're sitting there with their smartphones uh, instead of talking <laughs> to each other. I think this That's is going to happen. You know, we're all going to be used to it. That's a deal breaker. That's the wrong kind of relationship. I'm going to turn to Benjamin Wesson. Benjamin, join us here on what we're talking about. What do you think about this automotive connectivity? Is it something you think is already gaining ground with the every, I'm going to say everyday normal people rather than, than the, the geeky insider, uh, productivity, sustainability, uh, insider tech people? What do you think? Well, I think it's already a part of our society. I think when you look at services, even going back to OnStar, Mm-hmm. These okay. are using connectivity, and we're taking advantage of them. Whether or not we're a data geek or whether or not we're carrying a mobile phone, these are just happening around us. So we can collect all this data and provide services without the driver of the automobile really having to do a whole lot. MDM is all about big data, and a lot of this data is going to be proprietary to a company, maybe that mm-hmm. 7 Series to make sure it doesn't sway too much on an incline. Um, some of it's going to be um, not useful for the company, but might be useful for the public good, getting back to that notion of responsibility. So yes. you could take a camera that's measuring the incline of a, of a car as it goes around the corner and use that to detect potholes. And a company who's doing this could then share that information with the state that fixes potholes. So there are all kinds of examples of side benefits that we're getting from collecting this data and I, I think it's our responsibility to contribute that back. Good. I like that. I, I like the fact that you're – well, I'm playing devil's advocate here. You can tell that. I know we're all connected to a greater degree than we were 5, 10, 15 years ago. Of course we are. It's just that some of this sounds so futuristic, going back to Space Odyssey. I don't know what the sequel's going to be called in the next couple of years, but Space Odyssey, we could call it M to M Odyssey. It's here. Get over it. Get used to it. Embrace it. Benefit from it. My goodness. So I want to talk now about the numbers. We haven't really level set the numbers we're talking about. Steve Hilton told me before the show, and, and I want everybody to weigh in on this, that M2M, Machine to Machine, is growing more than 30% a year. That growth will continue over the next 10 years, and by 2021, now we're 2013 now, so that's eight years from now, there will be 2.1 billion, with a B, 2.1 billion device connections. Steve, talk to me. Where do these numbers come from? These numbers come from a, a worldwide forecast that we produce every year about the, you know, based on the number of existing 
M2M device connections today. So I think the interesting thing to keep in mind is we're forecasting device connections, right? So there may be multiple devices connected through one connection, right? So there could be a lot more devices, right? So in the world today, there's, oh, there's maybe about 110 million device connections, most of which are in the developed countries of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And it's growing, as, as uh, you rightly said, about 30% a year. Benchmark it against this, Bonnie. So M2M is growing about 30% a year. Um, if you look at the world of sort of smartphones, the growth in smartphones in most developed countries, you know, Western European countries, Asian countries, developed Asian countries, United States, that's grown at about 2% a year, 3% a year. We're talking about that kind of growth in M2M over the next 10 years. Pretty exciting. It's very, very exciting. You know, we're almost ready for break. I'm going to open this up for about a minute. Who wants to jump in on this question of the statistics? Anybody else? Uh, Miguel or um, Benjamin, anything to say about the number? I, I was very to, intrigued. I'd love to jump yes. in there, Miguel, here. Actually, uh, we've actually gone out with a number which is significantly higher than what Steve was talking. And, and Ooh, we tell were talking me. about 50 billion connected devices by 2020. Uh, and, and the reason, this is something that we were thinking in back in 2009 when we started thinking how industrial revolutions actually happen. And it, it is really, I was just looking at your coffee example, and I actually connected, counted eight, at least eight connected devices in just getting that coffee cup to your home, basically. One for managing the irrigation of the coffee plant, so one for the packaging of the, of the coffee as such, one for the managing of the logistics and the ship where you're actually shipping the coffee over the border and then so on and so on. I end up with more more than half a dozen connections just for your coffee cup. So I think per se we're going to end up with close to 50 billion by 2020. It's just a matter of what if, if the imagination ends somewhere. I like that. We're going to go into an imagination round on the next part of the roundtable. We're at break now. I'm Bonnie D. Graham at the halfway point with my wonderful guests. We have Benjamin Wesson. We have Miguel Blockstrand and Steve Hilton calling from all over the world. Let's deal with it. Uh, we're going to talk about the emerging countries, the part of the emerging world that's seeing a, an insurge, a upsurge, an upswing in M2M connections. We're going to talk more about social responsibility. We'll talk a little bit about the cloud. We won't get down in the weeds, though. So don't even even think of touching that app. We have lots more on this very exciting topic of mm, M2M connectivity never tasted so good. Be right back. Brad out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back and we want to talk about M2M connections in the emerging world. We're talking, I want you to think about the global map as much as you can remember from geography, Brazil, China, India, Eastern Europe. Let's talk to Steve Hilton from Analysis Mason. Steve, what does your worldview show in terms of how is M2M connectivity catching on? Is it delicious in the emerging world or is it more of a curiosity? Tell me. I think it's a, a changing ecosystem today. I mean, most of the M2M in the world today is in the developed world. But by 10 years from now, 40% of the device connections in M2M will be in the emerging world, places like you just mentioned, China, India, Brazil, Russia, right? And in those markets today, so there's a, a huge amount of growth already just in just traditional mobile services. And I think what we're finding is that there's, over the next, say, five to ten years, they're going to really start being investing in M2M, especially in the industry sectors like energy and utilities, in all kinds of security and surveillance solutions, um, in the automotive sector, both for connected cars and fleet management, and a whole variety of solutions really in the public safety sector as well. So I think we're going to see it. I think the emerging world's just going to learn from the experiences um, in places like the U.S., Canada, developed Asia, Western Europe, right, and sort of just just jumpstart, you know, at about five years out. Good. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about the implications of what's happening in the developed countries in terms of pu- publicity and companies that have subsidiaries in other parts of the world bringing this M2M technology as part of their normal business. Hey, this is what we do. This is what we've got in our U.S. stronghold, and now we're bringing XYZ to this office and, and showing it by example of how successful it can be. Benjamin Wesson, talk to me. What do you see in terms of development of M2M outside of North America and the major developed countries? What do you think? Well, just picking up on Steve's point, there are all mm-hmm. kinds of practical implications. One of the things the, or at least much of the developing world shares is a problem with power, problem with reliable power. So you can solve that kind of problem through M to M by shifting the demand from peak periods to off periods where mm-hmm. the demand for power is not as strong. So by just changing when you turn on an appliance, that does your laundry, does your dishes, these, these types of things, uh, you can actually achieve uh, a much more even uh, curve on, on uh, energy consumption. So just, a, just another example. And, and I wanted to say something else, that when we talk yes. about M2M, we talk about technology in the cloud and, and these very sophisticated and expensive-sounding things, but mm-hmm. Moore's Law applies. The cost of the sensors is coming down all the time. The size of the sensors is coming down all the time. The power that they consume is coming down all the time. And what that means is that you can put these sensors virtually anywhere, even like in a light bulb, and still make it cost affordable. So the implications for both the industrialized and the developing world are are profound. I want to ask you, Benjamin, you mentioned the cost is coming down, the power consumption is coming down. I'm, su- I'm assuming that the life of the whatever the device is, is is expanding while the costs are coming down. 
What would you do? Walk into your local Ace Hardware and say, hi, I want a sensor to put in the plants. I'm going away for two weeks and I don't want that silly stick where you put water in a jar and the little stick keeps sucking the water into the plant. How, how would you put that kind of sensor, that M2M technology into something in your house? Would the consumer have access to this or is this something that's still more industrial? Hmm? No, it's something the consumer can buy and they can buy it today. You can Where? go and you can buy these types of things like a Nest thermostat to intelligently control the heat in your home. So these things are already out there, but there will be other channels as well. Some of the mobile operators are going to be the source for M2M technology moving forward for a lot of consumers. And they will buy their home security monitoring, their smart energy, their uh, wired thermostat, all of these things through their operators. So there will be multiple channels that you and I can go to to get this M2M technology. Very interesting. And I don't know if we're going to call it M2M. It sounds like M&Ms to the average person, but we'll have to figure out something we we can call it. I want to move into something, a very interesting topic, security and surveillance solutions and how M2M can help. Steve Hilton was talking to me before the show, and he said, nobody likes to have their stuff taken, Bonnie, and technology can help prevent or maximize the chance of recovering your stuff. Steve, give me a little insight into this aspect of M2M, please. You know, whether we're talking about sort of home security and surveillance, right, like a system mm-hmm. inside your home that sort of monitors, you know, the windows and the doors and can even monitor your assets, or security and surveillance solutions in our automobiles, right, to keep to either keep them from being stolen or to sort of prevent to distant folks from stealing your car, or if the car is stolen, to quickly be able to track it. There's all kinds of these solutions. Security and surveillance is a huge issue, whether we're talking about developed countries or certainly in the emerging world where, you know, theft is a, is a major issue. Um, and the, these solutions, you know, have been around for a while, and they're just getting more sophisticated today, incorporating things like video-based surveillance, right? The idea that you can, you know, from your smartphone, uh, you know, take a look at what's going on in your home with cameras, home, you know, home camera system. So all kinds of amazing things that, that, are, that are happening and possible. Very interesting, and I know that Miguel Blockstrand calling us today from Sweden is also a strong believer that M2M is already a sophisticated business because I have a quote from him here in my notes. So, Miguel, why don't you join this conversational thread here? You're saying that providing connectivity to mission-critical applications is about understanding business processes and streamlining, developing business and the quality of life. Talk to me a little more. Let's go a little deeper, Miguel. Okay, let's start a little bit about the history, why I say that. We have since yes. the 1950s already been connecting the water pumps in Sweden and Stockholm, how you control the water pumps. They've already been some kind of a machine-to-machine connection. They've been there already since uh, the 1950s. But I just going to piggyback a little bit on what I was thinking, that once you actually put in connectivity, you actually start uh, piggybacking and adding new capabilities into, into your, your setup. And uh, the thing is, if you put in connectivity into any type of device, you've actually opened up for changing your business models as well. You can actually start changing the whole way you take your, your charge for your service or your device. And a wild example I had from a friend in Switzerland, he was basically saying that elevator companies would prepare, instead of charging for the elevator as such, they would like to charge for service per floor, which floors have been served. It's a little bit of the holy grail. Everybody's looking for some kind of a recurring fee where you can actually charge in a different manner. Connectivity opens up for new business models. That's actually what's, what happens when you start doing this. 
Interesting. I think you so, read my mind because I was going to ask you, Miguel, I, don't, I just want to get this two cents in here. I was going to ask you how new businesses, emerging businesses or old, stale, so what businesses can find a new business model or can enter the business world and say, hey, we've got a brilliant idea that is empowered by M2M. So please continue it and integrate that into what you say. Yeah, I think the obvious example that most people can relate to already today is, is ideas like e-learning or e-books where connectivity has actually opened up for the ability to start training, remotely start training with the devices, start using your devices in a new type of a manner. And it's opening up for a new business model for the education system or for the book distribution and so on. So in that context, you start coming into what is a machine and what is a device and what is uh, it actually means. But connectivity is actually the start, and it all starts with the ability that you can connect. You can actually hide the connectivity for the consumer, and you can actually make it very usable. So, so when you were talking, Bonnie, about a little bit of machine-to-machine maybe being a threat because things mm-hmm. are being connected and talking to each other, I think our task and the reference I did to responsibility is to make sure that you actually don't even know about that it's really connected. It's just there. So basically, that's when you start coming into the fact that, okay, by being connected, you can actually start developing your business models. And then actually connectivity and data becomes sort of like the new oil. It's a new revenue stream where you can start finding new and new ways to tap into. Very interesting. We're always looking looking to bring our topics to a, a mass business audience. So thank you for that, Miguel. Benjamin, I want to bring you into this. Any thought of Big Brother here? We, Miguel was just talking about how if people aren't really aware, they're connected all the time. I hear things I, I'm seeing, I'm visualizing things happening that people don't want somebody to know necessarily. A little bit of Big Brother. What do you think, Benjamin? Good, bad, ugly, or am I off base here? Well, there's definitely the aspect and that's the fear. That's the fear that we started mm-hmm. with, with, that quote from 2001 that, that yes. somehow we're being monitored. These services have to be on an opt-in basis. So if you go into a grocery store and they've got a facility to help you find what you need to find, as long as you're willing to go on their Wi-Fi so they can track you, you're opting in. Um, but we can also derive a lot of data in a clean way or an anonymized way without impacting the privacy of individuals. We can just get information and make stochastic predictions on raw data without knowing anything about you. So there are ways to both benefit from the technology and then balance the need for privacy. And and who is the one who's going to make these decisions about the balance? Just to explore this a little bit more, Benjamin, who's who's going to be the one to be the arbiter of the the morality or the ethics of this connectivity, and and who benefits and who gets uh, who gets told on, or or who's being connected, who doesn't know about it? You know, opting in is great, but sometimes things are happening around us, and people really aren't aware. So, what do you think? I think it's a fluid topic. I think it depends on when and where we're talking about. I think this is one area where legislators are going to have to catch up with the technology here today and start putting rules into effect. And some countries have already done this. They put in data privacy rules around storing personally identifiable data in the cloud. So we're going to see more and more of this as consumers demand protections and as as government and, and companies react responsibly. 
Okay, and let's talk a little bit about connectivity at work and M2M at work. I'm going to turn it back to Miguel Blockstrand from Ericsson. Miguel, what do you see in terms of connectivity at work? I, I know we're all tethered or wirelessly tethered, excuse the expression, to something somehow as part of our work day today, no matter where in the world we work. How will M2M change the actual workplace in a good way, you think? Yes, I can talk a little bit about that. If you start, I mean, the obvious answer is actually going back to uh, you can do things remotely. You have already today, you've gotten used to your work environment and you can work off-site and so on. That actually brings it all the way back to what you're actually doing. Take the example of a surface technician of a refrigerator, for instance. Mm-hmm. The refrigerator is connected. I make a phone call to my service technician and I say, I have something wrong with my refrigerator. I don't have the right degrees. Instead of him traveling to my house, doing a diagnostic on the refrigerator, he can actually do it remotely and find out what's actually wrong and bring the right spare parts with him. From the very, He's actually saved the trip. He saved some time in his actually task. So uh, it's it's a win-win situation, and I need to pay less for actually one one unnecessary trip. I don't need to pay, and I can just count off endless and endless examples of that. So so it's beyond the fact that you can call your office and you can tap into your mm-hmm. systems and so on. You can actually dial in, if you like, to to, to the assets, and you can actually see and monitor your business process. What well, if you get a window to your most critical and important business process, and you can do it from anywhere in the world. And that's quite mind-boggling. You can actually check what's going on with your key performance indicators wherever you are using just a dial-up connection or using a, a, the Internet as such. So it opens up the world of what if. What, what if I can do this from, from my vacation? What if I can do this from my house? What if I can do it where I am today? Miguel, I just I heard I listened to an implied improvement in customer service in what you were saying because if a company can do a remote diagnostic on an appliance and show up with a shorter window of opportunity, in other words, they need less time in your house or in your business or in your garage to fix the damn thing that's broken, and they actually show up with the right part or a higher percentage of the right part, and they send the right person who has the right training and the right acumen to know exactly what to do on site, that says to me it's an opportunity for the company providing that service to improve their level of customer service and get points, score points, and have people talk about them on social media and say, wow, I actually had a great repair experience with company XYZ. On that note, I'm going to take a break while I'm in the winner's seat here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're heading into the crystal ball round. I'm going to ask Miguel and Stephen Benjamin, polish off that crystal ball. We're going to ask you what M2M will look like five years from today. So don't even think of touching that app, all you listeners. We'll be right back after the break. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. Je pense donc je suis. I love to say that in the last segment. Quick note for my Game Changer listeners. Want to learn how to harness your business's big data without all the pain? Go to our show page on the business channel. Look for the little coffee logo and go to any banner, any yellow and black SAP logo and click and you'll go to a page with all kinds of free goodies. But I want you to look for the ebook on how to get started harnessing big data. Very important to your business. Okay. Crystal ball time. Miguel Blocksrand calling all the way from Sweden and such a delight to have you. I appreciate you're taking the time at 5 p.m. when you could be out having cocktails there in an M2M bar somewhere, Miguel. So, Miguel, what does the crystal ball show you all the way in Sweden? What do you see? Five years out, M2M. Talk to me. Yeah, actually, I don't think we will be calling it M2M at that point in time. By, by that time, we will be used to ubiquitous connectivity and we'll actually be used to everything being connected in one way or another. We will actually be looking more and more at what's actually happening. I, I can see things like uh, cars that are actually warning and seeing what's happening around the corner, so you actually get an early warning before you even come to that corner. I can also see buses that are telling you that it's time to uh, to go out and start walking if you're going to be catching that bus so that you know you know exactly the moment you need to leave your home so that you actually catch the bus without having to freeze, which is actually quite important for us here in Sweden. Imagine spending three or five or ten minutes waiting for a, a bus before you can actually get it because it's delayed. So I see that we're actually tapping into the capabilities of big data and we're using all of the analytics to actually get better decisions, be it from your daily life, just a matter of when do you step out of your house to go to the bus and have a better comfort, to actual better business decisions where you can actually do enlightened decisions with uh, information that was not even available and we didn't even know about it at that point when in 2013 that this was possible. Very, very interesting. You know what you just said about knowing when the bus is coming. Uh, forgive me for a spoiler here, but the night before the Academy Awards, I saw Silver Linings Playbook. And one of the questions everybody was asking was, how did Jennifer Lawrence's character know exactly when to jump out from the bushes to meet Bradley Cooper on his way to his, on his jog so that she could just join him? And he was always saying, how did you know I was coming? And, and the thought could have been, if, if you didn't see the end of the movie, wow, she's got some kind of technology, some kind of secret tracking device that tells her when he He's coming down the street. Well, her secret tracking device was his mom. But then, spoiler, I warned you. Okay, so let's turn to Steve Hilton. <laughs> Steve, sorry about that. I hope you already saw the movie. Steve, what does your crystal ball say? What's coming up for m to m And do you agree with Miguel that we won't be calling? What will we be calling it in five years? Steve Hilton. Well, Bonnie, first, I think, you know, mom and m to m it's like almost the same word. So maybe it's just sort of like m to m Oh, you're good. Mom. Oh, so. you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think the big change. I think Bonnie, the big change we're going to see um, is, like Miguel said, we're not going to call this M to M anymore, right? This is going to be just a world of connected, connected stuff, right? And and mm-hmm. all the data is going to be able to be mashed up, and we're going to have this amazing sort of ecosystem, um, sort of changes. And I think the biggest changes we're going to see are in our cars, right? 
in, in two and three years, the model car that you're going to be buying, a new car, is going to have an M to M module in it, right? That's two or three years, right? That will be the mm-hmm. common car. In your home, um, over the next five years, you're going to have a special router in your home, and that's going to handle home security and surveillance. It's going to handle energy management. It's going to handle entertainment. I think that's the second big ecosystem change. And third, in your space. So it's whether you're a physician with all kinds of connected sort of healthcare um, solutions, for example, your patients will be wearing cardiovascular disease monitoring devices or diabetes management monitoring devices, or whether you're a repair person, as we already talked about in the field, mm-hmm. who has more information um, about the type of repair you're going to perform. I think these are the places where we're going to see big changes over the next uh, five years, Bonnie. Very interesting. And will there be an age group in the demographic of the people who accept, embrace, and are eager for these changes, Steve? Or will this be pervasive across all, all demographics in all cultures? What do you think? I, I, I think there is definitely a, a generational issue involved here. Just look at sort of the younger kids today and what they post on Facebook versus what you and I post on Facebook. There's a big difference here in terms of what people are willing to do, sort of the younger generations, in terms of the use of data and the sharing of data. But watch for these changes. Very, very interesting. Thank you. If we have time for a bonus question, I know what it will be. And let's turn to Benjamin Wesson. What does your crystal ball show, Benjamin? Well, in the near future, we're already seeing things like predictive maintenance. And what I mean by that is, is not a regular service of your automobile, to pick up on Steve's example, but a phone call. When you're driving to work from the dealer saying, we predict that this part in your car is going to fail within two weeks, but we've adjusted something to compensate for it. We've made an appointment for you. Come in and we'll take care of it. So we're moving into that kind of realm. But if we look three to ten years out, I think we're looking at at a much broader network. And you can think of complex machines with many sensors put together by many different companies all sharing the data and collaborating to make those pieces work together. Think of a jet engine and the uh, t- telemetric data that it's broadcasting to mm-hmm. all of the people that contribute parts to that. It's not just Rolls-Royce that makes the jet engine. It's all of the components that go into that. If, if everyone's getting this information and collaborating in real time about how to make these jet engines more efficient, it just becomes a, a social network. And, and to that extent, I, I think that that's how we will see M2M in the future. It's not, it's not a you know, rarefied technology. It's something that we just use and interact with every day. Okay, I'm going to throw a thank you very much, Benjamin. I'm going to throw out a quick bonus question. If you could each take about 30 seconds, no more, because I need a little time for me at the end. Question is, at what point in this five-year window, we're all looking ahead in our crystal balls right now, uh, at the five-year window, at what point will M2M be so embedded that it will be mandatory or it's just there versus how long will we have a window to say, I want to opt in, I want to buy that? What about older homes? Will it? How do you get all this technology into an older home? Do you have to buy a new Energy Star refrigerator to get it? Or is this something that you can just, as I said before, go to the hardware store, slap a little something on a device in your house, and be part of it? So, Miguel, when will it become embedded versus, wow, I want it, optional, elective? Talk to me. 30 seconds. Go. I think it's actually happening today. It's already embedded in the sense that uh, you're bringing in your devices into your different ecosystems. So the SIM card in the mobile networks is quite important here where you can actually bring in the connectivity into and you're actually choosing where to bring it in. You will have it embedded or by choice you're activating a subscription. But I think we're talking in the range of five, five years. 
Okay, thank you. Steve Hilton, what do you think? Give me, I'll give you 20 seconds. We're running low. People will always have a choice whether to opt in or not opt in. You buy a connected refrigerator. And by the way, I'm not so sure we're going to have a lot of connected refrigerators five years out. But I think in the automotive sector, I've already said two or three years. I think home routers about that same amount of time, right? So. Very exciting. And Benjamin Wesson, what do you think? Uh, opting in, opting out, elective, mandatory, embedded. What, what's your operative word here? I think it's already mandatory in some cases. I see toll booths that say fast track only. Uh, you can't go through them and give cash. And so I think that there will be mandates for these type of technologies in the very near future. Thank you very much. I want to thank my panelists, Mikhail Blockstrand, Steve Hilton, and Benjamin Wesson. Now it's time for my predictions. Next Wednesday, March 13th, best-run cities, urban matters. Running a city is complex and challenging. Find out how, why, when, and where, and what's being done about it. Wednesday, March 20th, airline turnaround. I don't mean turning around at the gate. I mean turning around the airline business with technology. What else? And Wednesday, March 27th, exciting topic, business networks. It's growing in importance just as networks are transforming our social lives, so they are transforming businesses as well. I want to do a shout-out to Anka Rebel, Malcolm Kimberlin, enjoy SAP Insider. Hello to Margo. We already said Kate McNeil, thanks for working on this topic and bringing us this great show. And Brad and the Business Channel team, you always rock. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Listen up. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. See you next week on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.